Pursuit of Podcast, a purely guest-centric show focusing on people and organizations that advance positive change. Positivity can be anywhere, and in a time of vast discord, the pursuit of is finding those who champion its causes loudest. Join us as we sit and learn about the pursuits of local leaders in their community. Let's go. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Pursuit of Podcast, where it's truly not us, it's you. I'm Ryan Buck, artist development, New Letter Media. With me is the boss, Mark Wilson, president, New Letter Media. What's up? Hey, Ryan. I'm it's a, you know, doing great. How are you doing? It's the first time that the sun isn't out in the first, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I noticed been... you got a nice suit on today. Oh, do I? Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, That's enough of that. <laughs> chatter, chatter. More importantly, our guest today is Jim Bensley, director, international service and service learning, NMC, and director, Traverse City International Affairs Forum. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Thank you for saying so. We always hope that that's the case. <laughs> Nobody here under duress. That would be bad. And as I mentioned before we started, I'm really, really excited to be talking to you. And thank you for taking the time to do this because, well, I think what you do has relevancy all the time. But I started asking a question recently that I, I like to ask, and, and it's it's kind of going well. So I, I don't know. Maybe this is a trend. But let's say you're at a party and somebody says, what do you do? What do you say? Well, I could. How long do I have? So 50, 30 is, seconds. Is that to typically the, the start of it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that, if that somebody's is. like, "Hey, because, Jim, what, uh, what do you do?" Because I'm involved in a lot of things at the college. Not only the director of the International Services and Service Learning Program, which in that area we we work with faculty to integrate uh, the curriculum with global competencies and, and global thought, global ideas. We also develop the study abroad programs that we have at NMC, and we put those together. So we send 50 to 60 students each year to about four different countries on faculty-led study abroad yeah. programs. We do that. I also teach in the humanities department, run the service learning program over there, yeah. which also integrates service learning into yeah. academic coursework and other student organizations. And then I am directing the International Affairs Forum as well. And I think that's why we're here today. But wow. Yep. Okay. So you have a semicircle of people around you. Mm -hmm. What kind of questions do you tend to get? And are they typically good ones? Yeah. When I'm at, let's say, at a party, right? And they say, what do you do? And, that, and I, I talk about my passions at first. And the passions, as I say, are integrating students with the world. And because of that, I'm able to tell some stories and really show them how at a community college in Northern Michigan, we connect with the world just as well as a student downstate can. And, and that's a point of pride for us. Now, that's for students. And students are so also involved in the International Affairs Forum because they attend some of our programming and we do things like the Academic World Quest mm -hmm. with them. But our main gist of the International Affairs Forum is really to bring the critical issues happening in the world to our community right. and to bring in former diplomats and, and journalists and people who may have served in the military and really give them the the insight from a one-on-one -on -one perspective. And you have quite a, a historic knowledge of who was here. Like if I had to ask you who came to speak August 3rd of 1994, I'm just kidding. You know what? Nobody would have to have to know all of that. But when when you think about what you've been doing and the impact that you've made, how have you seen the tone of our discussions general regarding world affairs, world events change in the last 10 years in our community? Have you seen the tone change at all in the last decade? I think obviously there's been a number of things that have caused that. The war in Ukraine, right, is one of them. Our relationship with China at this point as things are heating up in the South China Sea. You know, the concern that is in the forefront now, then there's always been concerns in the world, obviously, but these are something that could dramatically affect the U.S., you know, within the next few years. Mm -hmm. So that sort of urgency, I want to say, is there. You're seeing that as, as a change, you're seeing more urgency. Yeah. Is that because there is more access to information just even in the last 10 years, or is it something else? Yeah, the 24-hour news cycle is certainly something that <laughs> has an effect on people. It is, and, is a knowledge of current events becoming sexy among young people? I'm hearing that, it, that it's it's maybe not as cool to be John Bender as much anymore, and, and it is seen as, because I have a teenager, so 
not saying they're either one or the other, but is that the case? Are you seeing that more as well in yeah, the change yeah. in discussion? Well, we are. In case in point, we, we run the Academic World Quest. Academic World Quest is sponsored by the World Affairs Council of the United States, which we are a part. And we've been doing that for 10 years. It's our 10th year. And this year we had 16 teams participate. So the mm. amount of teams has grown over the last 10 years. Great. I think the first year there were seven or so eight So see the look on your face and that yeah. this is delightful to you. Yeah. So this was a really good competition that we recently ran and and um, had a very interesting ending. There's 100 questions. It's like a quiz bowl format mm-hmm. and the students study and you know access resources for a number of months before the actual competition. And these are high school students. And then they have these 100 questions and they all have to answer the questions. And then you can watch on the leaderboard who's rising to the top and who's kind of falling. Yeah. So we had two teams and it wasn't until the 99th question that the winner actually was, you know, made apparent because it was so close. Really? And so, yeah. So that that's the equivalent of a really tight finish. Yeah. Yeah. A very tight now, finish. Now, d- did it help that, you know, even in pop culture, like, you know, Peter Parker is a competitive learner, mm-hmm. you know, is that something that in the zeitgeist affects and helps your mission? Yeah, yeah, of course it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're saying anything can help? Yes. No, it's, it is interesting. And kind of going back to your original question about media and things. Yes, I mean, students, they, they do see it more. Whether they try not to see it, it's there. You know, it's ubiquitous right. yeah. in our times now. And so hopefully in their high schools or their college courses, these things are being touched on and addressed too. Yeah. Because... You know, they have questions. So they come into the classroom oftentimes. I, I see that I teach a class in world cultures. In fact, we were looking at Israel-Palestine and what's happening over there just mm-hmm. today. Yeah. And students came in with some information that they had heard, and they shared that with the rest of the class. Now, of course, I have to make sure that their sourcing is, <laughs> is credible. Interesting but, um, other challenge. Yeah. Because previously it was just them depending on you. Yeah, for the most and part. Now, or they would... it's more of a conversation, and that's what is generating awareness. Yes, yes. Because the International Affairs Forum started in 1994. 1994, tough year. You know, mm-hmm. Nancy Kerrigan was clubbed <laughs> at the start of it. Yes. Nicole Brown Simpson, Ronald Goldman, in the middle of it, we lost Tupac at the end. Tumultuous year 1994. Um, but what do you think sparked it then? And do you... Do you find it relevant to look at where you came from as it relates to moving forward? Yeah, well, this was, it actually goes back even further than the 30 years. And that back in, I believe, 1952, out at the Leelanau schools, they decided they wanted to have a week-long symposium where they brought in journalists and they brought in diplomats and government officials and things like that to have workshops and, and seminars. And so they did it out there and people participated in that. And that went almost, I think, 50 years. It's just small. It was for one week kind of thing. And then one of the founders of that, one of the people involved, Phil Cochran, mm-hmm. in 1994, said, you know what? We need to expand this. We need to bring it into Traverse City, and perhaps we can connect with the college. It made sense. We're an educational institution. These were topics and things that were being talked about and dealt with, and both in class and in the community. And so... They started the International Affairs Forum. And funny story, I was back in early 90s, I was actually working in PR at the college. And Were so, you? Yeah, yeah. Oh my so gosh. I was doing advertising and things like that. And and I remember doing posters for the first International Affairs Forums. <laughs> really? I mean, I, that, was, that was what I was charged with, you know, and putting together the, the yearly schedule and things like that. So yeah, I remember that well. And well, thinking, this is, I, I remember even at that young age thinking, you know, this is kind of cool that we're doing this here at a community college. Well, so. I mean, that doesn't that, that define serendipity, does it not? <laughs> yeah. I think, if we if we think of it artistically. But looking backwards a little further, you received your BS from Western Michigan University in edu- education and your master's in interdisciplinary technology, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think a unique type of field, if you have to, had to be asked about that at a party. And... Eastern Michigan is where you got your master's in interdisciplinary technology, right? So you started on the West, you went to the East, yeah. which, you know, I, I mean, that's okay. Was there something that you just wanted to 
taste well, the flavor of each, <laughs> each side. Yeah, another interesting story there, too. So not only those Can you go back to but, one of them? I mean, well, you can, I can, right? Yeah, I can go back to... Okay. Let me go back to my undergrad, right? And that was <laughs> at Western Michigan. So I was a, a dual major, a history major, and then a arts education major. And so I graduated that with that degree and not knowing what I wanted to do. I like to do graphic design. I like to do advertising. Yeah. So henceforth, that's how I got my first job at the college in that field. But I always loved history, right? And I uh, had, when I was growing up, I was lucky enough to live in the UK when I was in sixth grade, and I went to school over there. It's not like my parents just shoved me off and said, okay, go to school oh, over there. Oh, it was a Paddington kind of, situation? Yeah, right, okay. Right. And so- How I, long were you there? Almost a year. You were there? Wow. Yeah. I can't tell the accent's gone yeah, completely. Yeah. It wasn't for my sister, though. She actually was younger. She came back, and they put her in a speech therapy class because really? she had sort of a, a British accent. What? Yeah. She was in kindergarten, and so she had this sort of British accent when well, she came back. Yeah. You know, just something to note. Like, I know people that have been here for 40 years, and the accent never went away. And then I have another friend who was, like, raised in Australia and said as soon as he moved here, he couldn't get rid of it quick enough. <laughs> he was like, he, really? he didn't like the attention, any of it. Just, oh. Boom. Well, I, I get that. <laughs> no, no good <laughs> In a time yeah. where being seen is, is good, but not being seen. Yeah. You know, and, like, and you don't want to draw like, attention. American accent as soon as possible. <laughs> Holy cow. Michigan. So that was, wow. you know, I did that Unbelievable. when I was in high school. My dad got a job to to teach over at American Air Force Base in Germany and then on the island of Greece. The whole family went over, my three siblings, my mom, my dad, and we spent four months in Germany and then four months living on the island of Crete in Araculon. So this international connection felt very comfortable for me. Right. But and, you, you've been here a long time. I would mm -hmm. think that you have built-in wanderlust. Yes, I have. I have. I mean, and, I'm already salivating at the places that you're talking about, and you've you've been here, and you've been with this a long time. Why? So I've been with the international component. That actually began in the 2000s when I was director of admissions at the college, and we didn't have a separate person to handle the international students. So I took that on and, and really enjoyed that, really working from students because again you go into they think how many why would people come to traverse city to go to school instead of michigan state or going to university of boston or some uh, these other places and, and obviously they still do go to those places but it was very interesting because people in this area were so proud of where they lived and so if they had friends overseas and those friends had children They'd say, "Why don't you send your your child over here? You can go to this great college, and then you can transfer over your last two it? years." Yeah. yeah, and so so we had, <laughs> you know, it wasn't a huge amount, but we had about for a number of years about thirty thirty five students from different parts of the world, and so it was my job to be the designated school official and and do all the paperwork for them, but also run the international club and get to know them. And so, what we would do is obviously integrate. U.S. students in that club, too. So everybody sort of benefited. And that was such a joy for me. Yeah. And then after I left uh, the directorship of the admissions office, we had a, a vice president at the time that was a real forward-looking person. And she said, I think we need to do more international. We need to make more international connections for our students. And it was supported by our former president, Tim Nelson, and his wife, Nancy, set up a nice scholarship yeah. for NMC students to study abroad. Yeah. And so I was, they, they actually started an, an office that they called Outreach Services, okay, which included not only <laughs> international services, okay. service learning, but also early college, wow. our commitment <clears throat> scholarship program, our military and veterans office. And, and it, was, it was great. I had a great staff. We were really tight and worked together really well. But the one goal, one of the goals we had at that time was we need to build the ability for our students to travel, okay, to get over there in an academic sense, not just going over and, you know, jumping on the bus and going to the Eiffel Tower and then going so to the So did you have to, to, like that, to deal with dispelling the myth around the class trip? Yeah, mm -hmm. we did. And so we set it up so they were faculty-led and they integrated with the curriculum that the faculty were teaching. So in each different discipline... It was fantastic because we could send our biology students to South Africa or our freshwater studies students to Costa Rica, or we sent 
engineering students to Russia back when it was safe to go to Russia. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it's not your fault these places all happen to be great. Like if there was, there was a lousier or cheaper place to mm -hmm. go do it, you'd find a way because it's academia and that's how you grind. That's right. So that's it. Mm -hmm. not, not your fault. Mm -hmm. Not my fault. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, so we've been in the, since 2013, 2013, 14, We've sent over 500 students to over 22 different countries. Wow. So we're really proud of that. And so having that type of base for our students and having the International Affairs Forum as a component of further learning for students about the world yeah. made a lot of sense. And it still does. Yeah. In that regard. Well, I'm going to pull you back because I'm always fascinated by this element. We talked about passion. And I see it, I feel it. And, and it's not just because, and we're going to get to some of the details of what you have to do, because, you know, it probably sounds all well and good doing all this stuff, but the logistics and all the things that are involved. But was there any one watershed moment or person, movie, song that made you want to do this, that made you want to stick with this and maybe forsake going back to Crete because you mm -hmm. got a taste for that? Was there any one thing that you can pinpoint or, or and do you even localize it that way? Or because you've talked about a lot of different things. Sure. Sure. That really inspired you. But was there anything really important? Yeah, I think well, can I go back to third grade on this? Please. <laughs> okay. All the better. Yes. So I remember this distinctly. Our teacher is we had a reading assignment and she called it the passport assignment. This is third graders, right? <clears throat> and and if you read a book from a country, then you could she had these little stamps and you could change the letters on the stamps and mm -hmm. things like that to the name of the country. Yeah. And so if you read a book and then you wrote a little paper on it, you know, a little report, what happened in the story and a thing, then you'd get a stamp in this passport. And I remember I read a story about Bora Bora. And, okay. And I didn't, I had no idea where Bora Bora was, obviously in the Pacific. And so I was really intrigued not only to read the story, but to find out where this place was right. on the globe. Right. And I found it. And I just thought, that's so cool. There's a huge ocean between Michigan and Bora Bora. That was a moment of a little bit of realization and, and, and for you? I, yeah. And if I take it back there, then it, it kind of sparked an interest in always being sort of interested in different countries. Yeah. And then obviously living in the UK and traveling through Europe, we did that. with. There were six of us in the size of a Camry car right at that time we had there you camping go. gear on the top and my parents you need say, that okay, element yeah. of the story <laughs> yeah so so we lived kind of rough we sort of backpacked around europe in that fashion when we were over in the uk so all of those instances where i was able to experience different cultures and languages and food and all of that was just really invigorating yeah. right so working internationally whether it be just in a cultural fashion or in a geopolitical diplomatic kind of trying to gain understanding in, in that area was a huge interest for Yeah. Me. Back to third grade. Yeah. Did you say the name of that teacher? Did you want Mrs. to? Mrs. Whitaker. <clears throat> Mrs. Whitaker. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Whitaker. <laughs> yes. Wherever you may be. Yes. I think that's great. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, we have academics on, we are married to a teacher and it's, mm -hmm. you know, the shout outs because the millions aren't there for them either. When you think about your role as director of admissions, mm -hmm. in general, do you think that was a pretty important time in coloring how you saw kind of the student and particularly the international student experience? And did that help you right like today? Oh, yeah. I think culturally, absolutely. And then we would have political discussions, too. I remember one time we had two Kenyan students in, and they were in one of our international club meetings. And... They started, I can't remember what was going on in Kenya, some probably a presidential election or something like that. And one of them was just real supportive of this president because he was from his tribe, his, you know, kin group. Yeah. Right? And the other couldn't stand him. And it was wow. not because of any policy they had, but just because of the tribal mm -hmm. associations that they had. Yep. And, wow. Wow. And, and I thought that was just so interesting for my students, other students. To Who would think of... that that was something that you would have to consider as a professional? Yeah. But yeah. that's, I mean, what we have here today and from what I can tell almost always have been, I mean, the arguments are rarely rooted in real policy. 
and that often say, you know, how many times have we said this was their policy, but now that the other side of the aisle is trying to implement it, they're adamantly against it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some people are raised to just like Ohio State and others are raised to like U of M and it's just never going to. But, you know, I guess where I was going with that is is it, it must have given you a particular advantage to be effective because as director of admissions, you see so much. You mm-hmm. see something that maybe other fellow leaders don't see, right? Yeah. Well, it's especially, yeah, especially yeah. working with international students and also families, you know, right. families that would come in and- I mean, they th- there in, are stories yeah, that there you have. a lot of stories. That probably, right. mm-hmm. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but drive you mm-hmm. in a certain way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, there's emotion sometimes involved mm-hmm. where- Well, you know, let me just share another story with you here too. This was- we had a guy from, I want to say it was from Malawi or something like that. I can't remember the country, but some mm-hmm. country in Africa. And he applied to come to NMC and he was going to start in January, right? So he's from a country that's relatively warm all the time, right? <laughs> and so, so he gets here and it's January and we pick <laughs> him up at the airport. And it's one of those days where it's 10 degrees below zero and it's just blowing Sweet. the snow. We love him, yeah. don't we? And he's got a little windbreaker on because that's, that's, that's the only coat he had, right? <laughs> he didn't need anything more than that. And so he gets here and he's just shivering. So we went to, to Goodwill. We got him a nice jacket oh to wear. Gosh. He came into my office the next day and I said, I think his name is John. I said, John, why, you know, what was the interest in coming to this cold place? Right. Because he was going to study in automotive technology. That's what he wanted to do. He said, well, I'm from the coast. You know, that's where I live. That's where my home is. So I'm very used to water. Mm-hmm. I know who Henry Ford is. I know he was from Michigan. Okay. So I looked for a school that was on the water and was in Michigan. Wow. <laughs> so it had an automotive tech program. So, yeah, so that's how he found his way. And it wasn't in Detroit? Henry, yeah. yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> nope. So Henry Ford got him here to Traverse City. Yeah, it took him a while wow. to adapt, I guess, to the, well, the climate, but he eventually wow. did. And are we one of the few community colleges with dorms? Yes, we are. We yeah. are. There are yeah. more and more now than there oh, were there? 10 years okay. ago. But yeah. It's, so sometimes that's a consideration but that, yeah, for Yeah, that we had folks. housing, so that, yeah. that helps a lot. You know, it's it's more difficult for those schools that yeah. have to find housing or apartment rentals for students. Well, you yeah. talked about the, the places you've been, India, Morocco, Brazil, what is your approach to finding the right partners for this? There has to be yeah. so much that goes into it, and it can't just be let's go there. So, what do you? What's your approach? As yeah, much as you a, want to share. A very good question. How do we partner? And you know, there's there's a lot of providers out there that help colleges and universities set up programs in different countries, and they do a really good job. And people may that. not know that. Can you elaborate mm-hmm. just a tad? Yeah, yeah. So, if your son or daughter or, or you wanted to go somewhere. You saw an advertisement at your college for a semester or two weeks in Ireland or something. Most likely, it's going to be something that is associated with a company or an organization or a government-sponsored agency that helps bring students in to Ireland to experience the culture. Mm-hmm. So, And there's a number of them, and it's, I'd say, very good ones. I mean, there's CIS, and there's EF, and there's CIE, and there's right. you know these international kind of companies. So they can put together a nice package. It's usually a little bit more expensive sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so when you're at a community college, you have to think, okay, what can my students afford, you know? And how best can we do this? So what I've done is I've, is I've gone to a couple, uh, more than a couple, a lot of conferences and conventions, and I kind of seek out the small guy, you know, mm-hmm. that is trying to get a good start. Maybe he's done some great things, mm-hmm. has really good programs, but isn't in the same conversation as some of those larger entities. And so we develop a relationship with them yeah. and, you know, we vet them and everything. Mm-hmm. And we send a group down there. And what I found is they're just so much more on task, I guess, or they, they really, they care so much about doing right because their whole business depends on it right if you've got a large business and a trip goes bad yeah, or an you experience get a little complacent yeah, yeah yeah kind of thing and and again i don't mean it's such a corporate thing that you know it's just like it yeah. transfers all over so we've been really lucky to develop a couple of good relationships in india morocco brazil costa rica we also associate with institutions too 
because mm-hmm. they're doing the same things we are. They're teaching students you right. know, and preparing them for the, the world of work. So we've got partnerships in China. We've got partnerships in Costa Rica and right. Colombia you know, with, those, with institutions. And what are, the, what are the biggest challenges? What are the headaches when you're looking at a new place, a new destination? Is, is it currency? Is it safety? What Are there the hottest buttons, the things that you hate to deal with? <laughs> things I hate to In deal general. With. <laughs> All the paperwork? Yeah. Okay, okay, <laughs> there you go. Well, because I mean, we want to mitigate any risk we can, right? We should be doing that. Any institution, organization should be doing that. So we do have students sign a lot of forms, and we make sure that we do our due diligence, as I say, on vetting the organizations, letting our legal team read through contracts, kind of stuff. And But it's basically what we do is when we decide on a, a place to go, we investigate that place, and we investigate how to build a full and complete program if you're going there for 10 days or two weeks. Right. So for a contingency plan... What is the process and how often does a student lose their passport? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, see, Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about contingency plans or mitigating risk on this one. (laughs) So what we do is when that student comes to us with their passport, (laughs) we make three copies, right? Okay. Okay. So one copy goes back to the student. The student already has their original passport. One copy goes to the faculty lead. And then one copy stays in my office. Right. So if they ever lose it, they have a co- there is a copy someplace, and you know we make an electronic copy of it too. Yeah. So, yeah. but we did before before we were doing much of that. I remember in Russia we had a student who he was on the subway, right, and he lost his passport on the subway in Moscow. Right. Got back to the hotel or the hostel where they were staying. It's like, oh my gosh, oh man, oh, I don't know where I got it. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. And that's a massive city, right? So we had one of our faculty members spoke really good Russian. She taught a Russian language class at NMC. And so she called somebody at the metro station or the metro office, and and they were really good about that. I mean, they really helped search for that student's passport. They found it. It had just slipped slipped behind the seat, and it was still there. Yeah, no one had taken it. I am shocked. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) so was I. Wow. Yeah. The... um... So anybody I've known that's done a travel abroad for a class in the mm-hmm. past, that's what they've said is that like as soon as we got there, somebody, you know, whoever yep. was in charge said, listen, every time somebody loses it, don't be that. Don't <laughs> All be I that can student. think of is the machine coming out, the movie. Yeah, the machine. Oh, so yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with it. This may be a damper on the international student travel he'll, situation. He'll be here this June. <laughs> that is true. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. And, and so you don't always have to do international travel for what, you know, what you do. You do work locally, right? So in April of 2022, you held an event with the National Writer Series at the Opera House, for example, to address the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And you were so eloquent. You, I mean, you, the way you talked, there was a 9 and 10 news piece on it. And you said, these people are our neighbors. You know, there's no control over what's being done over there. So when you put events on like this, when you're rallying everybody, do you, do you set out a goal with your team? How do you how do you give a goal and how do you calculate success for an event like that? If that's something that resonates. So yeah, let me address that in two ways. For so with the International Affairs Forum, that was a special program that we did with National Writers Series. We partnered on that. We do partner with National Writers and TC or Econ Club of TC. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a great thing when we can get local partners and we do things together. And so that worked out really well. And people came out and they donated. It was a fantastic idea. And we had set goals on how much we wanted to make from that and hoped that we could raise. And all the money went back to four different organizations that we right. were supporting. And so it didn't come back to us. And so it was a fantastic way to bring the community out and rally them under a cause that was certainly justified, especially because we have a Ukrainian community here in Traverse City, yeah. right? And, and, and they are our neighbors. I mean, that, that was very important, just like we have an Afghan, a small Afghan community here in the mm-hmm. U.S. So doing things, and we're hosting, uh, pro- well, we're not hosting, but the college is hosting a program um, for the Afghan New Year program this coming weekend. And we've been we've had members of the college that are involved with that, and we have Ukrainian students and Afghan students at the college. So 
so all that's good. But that's so those special projects are really coordinated, you know, with the team, with our partners, and you know, we're both go full speed ahead and trying to do the best we can with that. Yeah. You know, for our normal international affairs form, we have a great board, which Mark is one of the members. So thank you, Mark, for a new member. And they they're an engaged board. Yeah. Right? And you can yeah. say, and I've been on boards before where everybody kind of shows up at the meeting, reads through the minutes and, you know, votes and approves everything. And, mm. and then they go home and wait for the next quarterly <laughs> meeting or something like that. But this is, um, it's an engaged board of people that are well known in their own sort of career communities. Yeah. So they have these passions too and bringing the world to our community. So anyway, they, you know, we get together and we talk about the programs we're going to have. We sort of dissect how best to not only have the initial presentation, but also get that presenter to either high schools or in college classes or to meet our leadership circle of donors and interact with them. Yeah. So to sort of build it out, because if it's just, you know, you fly in, do your show and then you're gone. Yeah, it, it might be a great show, but what what's the... You know what do you, what do you get more for that? Right. So we try and build, as I say, we try and build it out a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you're a member of the World Affairs Council, and it's a nonpartisan entity. Mm-hmm. And what's really fascinating about you is that, and the, the organization, you have an opinion. Is it okay to have an opinion nowadays? Oh yeah. And not to ask a loaded question, mm-hmm. but you could be seen as sharing information. Mm-hmm. You're you're journalists, let's say, but. Some of it's very clear that you're supporting people. Is that mm-hmm. the message? And it's still an opinion, but you're supporting the person. Yeah, and, and what we do, and we are a nonpartisan organization. Mm-hmm. You know, now do more people to on the left or the right come to the events? Probably more people on the left. You know, and it's and we don't we don't specifically design our programs like that. We want to present both sides, mm-hmm. and we're actually looking at a couple speakers for the future that you know, have served in Republican administrations and they are, you know, they'll be a good, it elicit good conversation and things. So yeah, yeah we uh, really, yeah. That's good. I, I, I was going to include that, like serving on this board so far, I wouldn't be able to tell you how mm-hmm. everybody on the board votes, you know, but we mm-hmm. also, with the membership, like you, you don't want everybody in a silo. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we want. Yeah. Well, you're touching hot topics, mm-hmm. and and they're hot topics that, you know, they're vying for attention, right? And you had a forum in October of 2022 on immigration, for example, yeah. and an unbelievable story about a, a student that you dealt with who was born in Mexico and raised in Traverse City, mm-hmm. who was handcuffed and taken away. Her fiance yeah. was here trying mm-hmm. to help her get back. And this is mm-hmm. an age where all music is almost kind of free. Mm-hmm. And so how do you use stories like that to your advantage and not make it seem like you're shamelessly using them? Because I read it and I was very taken by that in, yeah. in, in the right way. Mm-hmm. It seems like, oh, that's a natural. All you got to do is just put that up on social media and, and people will just give you money or mm-hmm. we'll give you all the support. So how do you mm-hmm. use those kind of things in a meaningful way? Yeah, no, it's, that's a good question. And, and we don't search out those stories, obviously, just to do that, right? we use them as support for the program that's being sort of laid bare, essentially, right? And if you have a local connection, which this woman was, mm-hmm. to the general topic like that, all the better to give it that local sort of introspection. Right. So, But it was a really, you know, wonderful story to hear in a way. It was resolved positively. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it did evoke an emotion. Oh, yeah. I mean, right? I, I remember when she was in my office and just in tears. And, I, and it's like, I couldn't solve the problem, right? Yeah. And as we all know, we, we like to be able to help people solve problems. And and I couldn't. And I just saw those tears roll down her face. And, you know, luckily her fiance was a real advocate and other people here in the community hope so. were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You know, they props to, there, to, to so. the fiance, but just saying, you yeah. know, I would hope that there would be some adequate <laughs> yeah. support there. When when you look at we you know I mentioned the, the you're trying to attract attention because there, there's a lot to go on. How do you get a community to care about world affairs when you know maybe a, a large amount of them care about what tourists are doing mm-hmm. or beaches or 
are our gas prices. And again, you're doing things like this, but it's bigger. So how do you get a community to care about the world? Yeah, that's that's the $64,000 question. Is it? I, know, I thought it was it, a little expansive, but yeah, it, it, given what we've talked about this far, I would think that your, your well, well, approach would be interesting. Here's what happens with our International Affairs Forum. The primary audience is 65 and above, just like it is for national writers and TSO and you know a number of other organizations in town. As you know, we, we have retirees up here and, and we want to be able to connect with them, especially as a college, you know, in different ways. And we have a great extended ed services program with lots of classes. But yeah, we're working hard with our own students and high school students to get them engaged. As I say, the Academic World Quest, mm-hmm. we have some great partner teachers in Traverse City Central and West that, you know, offer extra credit for their students to come over. Right. It's usually not a lot of extra credit points, but it's enough to get them there and get them engaged in some conversation, talking about these topics and these subjects. Where we fall short, as other organizations do, is the young professional. You know, really that 25 to 35, 40-year-old. You know, if you got little kids at yeah, home and you got a job exactly and you it. got yeah. elementary after school things mm-hmm. or what, whatever it is. Yeah, so just tough. kind of move on and okay? <laughs> no, or, we're still... We, okay. What can we... In fact, last summer we had Josh Rogan and he's a writer for the White or the White Pipers, <laughs> Washington Post, mm-hmm. and his wife Allie Rogan, who's a producer at PBS. Wow! And they came up and they're in their thirties and she was pregnant with their first child. And so we set up a program where we went and we hung out with young professionals at one of their events at, right. the, yeah, at yeah. Leftwood Charlie's. Oh, nice! Yeah, and so you know before that. You, you had Nick Beetleston as a guest here and Brittany Vanderbeek. We got together with them. We said, could you be sort of the liaison between the YPs and Josh and Allie? And they did a great job. And so there was some good conversation going. Well done. To, yeah. Try to. It's try a free to podcast. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> free podcast. Did you listen to everybody? That yes. is great advice. Mm-hmm. And on that note, and, and you, you pitched this perfectly, what does it take? Because I'm seeing you take this active role. What does it take for you to network and attract and interact with the kind of speakers and delegates and individuals that you are dealing with? What are you, how are you doing this? What, what can you share about that? Yeah. I mean, it would be nice if I was like the son of a vice president of the United States, right? Then I'd have all kinds of connections. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just but I'd yeah. go through and call them up and they, they jump on the, the plane and get here. So you're saying but it's not easy, it's, it's is not what easy. you're saying, well, firstly. Well, here's the thing. What's what's changed since COVID, right, is now we have Zoom. Okay. And so speakers have realized, oh. boy, it's a lot easier for me to... <laughs> not just a COVID crutch, it's yeah, uh, something we can, else. We can hook up with Zoom and, and speak to your audience mm-hmm. from 600 miles away. But I'm oh, guessing you're saying that's not the impact. So that's not that's not what our, our audience wants. They want as many in-person events yeah, as we can get. Yeah, because, I mean... Mm-hmm. You know, I have no problem getting online and watching something when I can't make it in person. But to go sit and watch somebody interact with a screen is kind of. Mm-hmm. But that's something d- to say that is. you've generated that, that you've generated this kind of demand that people want in person. Most people's favorite thing to do is cancel plans. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So to want to go to something is something to say. So just a shameless, you know, prop to you. Well, well, thanks. And I think, you know, what Mark says is a good example of that. In February, we had Brahma Chalani, who is based in New, New Delhi, right? So we couldn't afford to fly yeah, from you New do. Delhi and back, right? And so what could we do rather than just have him, you know, people at home just kind of tuning in? Do you, do you mind if I stop you for a second? Yeah. So you had the opportunity, the we, time. Yes. For this person. Yes. Yeah, the, the time. But something held you back so, from having this person physically here. Well, that was cost. You of know? course. I mean, <laughs> so if you had more to work with, more travel, more something, if people were aware, you could have had that. You could have. You did what you did. We but could I'm just have, saying. We, yeah, we I didn't want to gloss have. over the fact. You know, that, in you fact, know. I had even emailed him and I said, Brahma, you know, do you have any other meetings that you have to take care of in the U.S.? Thinking that, yeah, well, try, to, did, try to catch them while you're on piggyback, tour. Yeah, yeah. We'll piggyback, piggyback. So on you that. did everything you could, but if you had, so, you had the cushion enough, yeah. just if anybody wants to care to hear that. So anyway, he tuned in, we had it at the Millican Auditorium, and we brought in a moderator. 
that was actually physically here. So Claudio Lillenfield, who had done a lot of work with India himself. So he talked to Brahma on the screen. Wow. And then he stuck around for the reception, dinner afterwards. Well done. So, yeah, you have to kind of... Well, well also, like, I noticed with some, depending on who the presenter is, it brings out some people that are in our community that I actually wouldn't know are here oh. and they stand up and ask great questions yeah and that, you know oh. and it's like mm-hmm. sure yeah that's an excellent point mark and, yeah. and that's what we love yeah. you know they really mm-hmm. articulate questions that are asked at this i mean we have an educated audience you know we really do and yeah. it's it's fun to have them interact because again they have perhaps even a background in that area of the world or They've read up on it. You know, they've done their research, so to speak. And right. they come in and they, there's good conversations that happen with the presenters and the moderators because yeah. of that. Looking back, because, you know, whether or not you maybe consider yourself a leader, you are definitely a leader. You, you lead in so much and you've you've led so many initiatives. And, and if you even look into what you have done, it's, it's incredibly impressive. But, you know, thinking about that spark, thinking about that one thing, was there ever any advice that you got along the way when you were young, maybe third grade? That just seemed insane at the time, but has come true or benefited you in some way later? As people were teaching you? Yeah, I've got right, I've gotten a lot of advice. <laughs> if the seat in Everybody front of you reclines, expect it to. <laughs> you know, I think we're just... Who said this? The quote that says something like, treat people as if they were who they ought to be and you help them to become mm-hmm. who they can be something like that yeah. that paraphrase wow. that it's yeah. kind of like dressing for the job that you want yeah yeah and right. so you know if you treat people like they're people right they they're like yeah. like we're sitting here today right yeah. you're not better than them you know you're you're not less than them you're part of the common you know aspect of humanity that we live in in this world and i think that's been really ben- beneficial yeah. You know, because we all have our own biases, even though we may not like to admit them from time to time. Yeah. You know, and if I ask you two, you know, what countries would be the top of your list to go to and what would be the bottom of your list to mm-hmm. go to? Probably Sudan wouldn't be at the top, right. you know. But, you know, I've met some incredible Sudanese people. Right. Right. And and they don't, they aren't the mark for their their government and the way things are done over there, yeah. you know. They As you said, really... you know, our neighbors here are not mm-hmm. responsible for what's happening Exactly. There. Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating to me. And I think about your logistical skills because you travel all these places and you are responsible for so much of these students' well-being, you know, making sure they're getting something out of it. But has do these experiences color the way you travel alone or with your family? Yeah, that's a great, great question, too. We were just in Italy with my family last September. And that was no students, just family. Trip. Were you super uptight the whole time? <laughs> no. Were you freaking I kept out? around for you know ten other people to be. That's kind of where I'm going, <laughs> I, and, and not in a corny way, but yeah, yeah. Did no, anybody it's... lose their passport? <laughs> yeah, right. Nobody lost their passport. <laughs> nice. so that was good. But the one thing too is, if you travel, you try and do things that are sort of off the beaten path. And I try and do that with my students, and I try and get my fellow faculty members to do that. Go to a place that isn't the most popular tourist site, you know, work with our providers, our partners over there and say, okay, how can we maybe hike up the side of a volcano in Sicily, right? Or how can we do like one, I tell you, this is a, one of my favorite stories. I took my students to Greece. And so we learned about Greek history and the Greek government. We went to the parliament and, you know, and that was a lot of fun to kind of see how that's run. But I wanted my students to do some service work over there, too, because that was a time, it's 2016, when a lot of the refugees were coming and over And that should Syria. be noted, that these mm-hmm. are, these are, that's an important yeah, facet of these trips. Right. We do service on most all Absolutely. of our trips. And, and not to be the white savior kind of thing, that's yeah, not right. it at all, but right. to integrate with the community, to learn what makes them laugh Absolutely. and yeah. what makes them cry and things like that. So, so anyway, we were there, and we worked all day at a place where we sorted clothes that people had donated for the Syrian refugees. And it was like a soup kitchen. People came in. And I remember we were, the director of the program got us all in this conference room because we wanted to listen to some of the stories of the people. You know, what was the impetus to get you here? And obviously there was a war going on in Syria, so that was a a big thing. But we had a young mother and her daughter were in there. And so the mother said, well, 
my daughter and her best friend were walking home from school one day. And this is, I don't know if it was Damascus or some other place. And, and all of a sudden, my daughter saw me. So she started running to me to give me a hug. And her friend was just kind of lagging behind. All of a sudden, a shell came out of the air, blew the other kid to, to bits. And right in front of her best friend, and the woman told her husband, we can't stay. We're getting out of here. And so they took whatever they had, and they crossed the Mediterranean to Turkey, got to Athens, and you know, were trying to make their way to Germany. And they had a cousin who lived in Germany. So mm-hmm. they were trying to get there, but you know, they really had nothing. And they were a middle-class family. What year was this? Serious. This was 2016. Mm-hmm. Can we just say that once again? 2016. This was 2016. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so my students are, and, and this was really cool. The little girl was there and a couple of my students had bought these bracelets, you know, and, and so they were kind of playing with them. The girl was looking at them and one of my students took off her bracelet after that and just gave it to the girl, you know, and it's just like, wow, <laughs> you know, you talk about tug at the heartstrings. That's the kind They're of thing. They're tugged. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, you have a program in front of you. You prepared. So did I. And I will tell you, in 2002, you had Jay Taylor from Harvard University here. And he was speaking. The name of the title of his speech was How the World Should Deal with China. In 2011, you had Bill Taylor, U.S. ambassador to the Ukraine here, incidentally talking about peace in Afghanistan and Pakistan. So, is it kind of hard to not look back through that and be like, look, we were right. We've been doing this. We've been ahead of this curve all along. Give everything to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, really, I, I kind of go back to our board. You know, when we look at programming, who do we want? And, and how do we sort of foresee the immediate future, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this very interesting, we, well, we have a program that's coming up in, September. And I can't release the name yet. It's a big name, but it, it has to do with Russia. So mm-hmm. you know that that, pro- that war is probably not going to end. And mm-hmm. especially after what happened this week with the drone recently, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, it could be very interesting to see where we are with Russia. And we're going to have somebody on point as we open our program in September with that. As of the week of this recording, hopefully... The week this is released, there is no drone strikes, but... Yes. We... Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's why I guess it couldn't be a better way to illustrate why what you're doing is so important. Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you look at the, again, as you thumb through this program, right, it seems to me China is always on there every few and years. And that's available and... on the website. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I, and uh, the website, uh, if you can remind everybody... Yeah, it's TCIAF. Dot com. Dot com. Good. Because I found a lot of great information in there. And again, these speakers, and I, I didn't want to, I wanted to illustrate the fact that you are dealing with and bringing in unbelievable individuals who are so impactful. And to see a photo of a young person with somebody who is changing the world, you see the look on their faces. Like You've done a good job because I think those students understand the weight of what's happening for them. Which is really cool. And if you don't mind, so I want to end us on a question that should hopefully, hopefully be easy for you. But it may be a little bit of a challenge and it's a little bit of a two-parter. So who is the best rock band of all time? And I know rock will always beat out rap, but if you had to hang out with any hip hop rapper, who would it be? So the best (laughs) rock band of all time. Okay, because I'm a little older than you guys. Okay, I know. So, but so but you're a musician, somebody, are you not? Like, I'm, you, you even do you not even teach with music? I, I teach about music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, best rock band of all time, and again, rap always loses to rock. But if you had to hang yeah. out with a rapper, who would it be? Gosh, I. It's hard to pick one. You know, I mean, every, the Beatles, of course, you know, are are the best. Yeah, okay, that's the cool. Best of the yeah, best, right. But, that's good. But I would say. You know, if I were to put me on an island, I only have three albums, right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I would have a Springsteen album, probably Born to Run or okay. Darkness at the Edge of Town or The River. Okay. You know, those would be, you know, in my catalog. Right. So. Okay. I, I That's would, good. I would nice. have those. I'd have Led Zeppelin 4, 
you know, probably that one. Oh, so yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess that kind of gives you all right. An idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have family Where, that would concur. Yeah, <laughs> nice. And oh gosh, rapper. Any hip-hop. rapper? I I know. I it, it, if but if you had to. Okay, now I'm just gonna, I'm going to mention an album from. Gosh, it was probably the early 2000s Please or something. Please do. And that was Santana's album where he had Mary J. Blige on. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah you know, his collab. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was one great album, yeah. you know, and that had some, some hip-hop okay. that Okay. So yeah, I, you would hang out with that general vibe of that album. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Anybody who collabed with Santana, that's... Yeah, I, yeah, yeah because they mm-hmm. must be a good person. Yeah. Well, again, how, in any way, how can individuals connect with you if you're open to that support donate even if that's appropriate for me to ask so thanks we encourage everyone to become a member of the international affairs forum for a single membership it's a 100 gets you the whole year 160 gets you a family membership so you can as many family members watch as you want if you want to step that up a little bit 500 gets you an envoy membership part of our leadership circle or i'm sorry diplomat Mm -hmm. and then envoy after that at a thousand, and then ambassador at um, two thousand five hundred. So that kind of support really helps us. I mean, yeah. that helps us bring in the people that we have during the year, and and helps us expand and do more for the community. Yeah. And we have uh, some great things on the horizon. We're going to be doing so much more with water and climate in the future. It's very exciting. We have a new strategic plan. We're moving in that direction. We're going to be doing some podcasts actually that um, tremendous will we'll be producing and. Mark will probably and, tap your experience oh, well, for that and, one. And how, how are people yeah. following you most? Is it social? Is it the website? Um, it's, it's the website. Is it's it? mostly, yeah, but we're on Facebook and, yeah. Are you looking places. for to, to a shift to that? I'm not trying to say that everybody's looking for that huge social bump, but oh, yeah, you know, yeah, we, are, you're we, not opposed to it? Not okay. opposed to it. We love So do you have that, Facebook right? and Instagram? Just Facebook yeah. that, that folks can mm-hmm. go to see as well? Yes. Facebook, we and have Mike? a YouTube channel yeah, and some, a Facebook channel. Some reels yeah. to kind of just... Reel them in. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. And yeah. I can attest all the uh, information on memberships is on the website and they're really, really cool benefits. So. Hey, absolutely. And just, if you've never been to one, come on out. It's $15 for a show. If you just come out one time, you know, pay your $15, see if you like it or not. Ryan will be at the next one with me. <laughs> 100%. Well, thank you. I I can't thank you enough for your time and, and really just appreciate you being here. Jim, thank you so much for your pursuits. Thank you to all those who pursue along with you, ensuring we're more aware of the world and what we can do to make it better. Thank you very much. Glad to be here, guys. Uh, really enjoyable. And yeah, look forward to seeing you and your friends at thank the next show. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you all for listening and thank you for pursuing the positive. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us one more time on the Pursuit of Podcast, the Pursuit of the International Affairs Forum. I want to thank Jim Bensley for joining us. And for more information and to get involved, become a member, sponsor IAF, or donate, check out TCIAF.com. Virtual memberships are also available for those outside of the Northern Michigan area. And as always, for all things audio, video, podcast related, check us out at newleonard.com.